This episode of First Line is sponsored by TrueLearn. TrueLearn is an exam prep company best known for their smart banks that turn your weak areas into your strengths. I decided to partner with TrueLearn because it is the only company I trusted for preparation for Comlex Level 1 and Level 2. Each TrueLearn SmartBank practice question has detailed answer explanations and succinct bottom lines to get the big learning takeaway. For my listeners taking the USMLE, TrueLearn also has an amazing USMLE SmartBank. If you are in your third year, TrueLearn also offers SmartBanks for shelf exams and Comat shelf exams. Go to truelearn.com and use one of my special discount codes for up to $35 off your subscription. Special discount codes can be found in the episode description. Welcome to First Line. My name is Aubrey Ann Jackson, and I am a student doctor in my last year of medical school. First Line brings listeners of all backgrounds together to discuss whole body health and wellness through an osteopathic lens. First Line covers tangible ways to improve your health, how to succeed in medical school, and various topics in healthcare, including mental health, all while holistically addressing the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. I've been asked this a few times, what about research? And for this, I did research between first year and second year, so the summer, and I thought that was really great timing because it is the only really free summer that you have in medical school because typically it's the summer after second year and then the summer after third year is when you're in dedicated studying for your first set of boards and then your second set of boards. So the summer after first year is really the free summer, but you actually do want to use that summer. And I think research is the best way to do it. The other thing that might be good is to use that summer to shadow a little bit, but I'll talk about that more later. But the idea is that Yes, it is still a break, even though um, you might be doing something during your break. It still is way less intensity than the school year. That's the perfect time for research to start. Many people can start earlier, but that might be more difficult to balance it with studying. And I would definitely say wait until the second semester to really know how you study and be able to know that, yes, I do have extra time that throughout the week that I could spend in the lab or working with faculty on research. So that's really an individual decision, but my school actually had a built-in research elective that I did after my first year, so I was able to be matched with a faculty member and assigned to a project, which made things a lot easier. I was basically assigned to do research with other students on a research team, and we got poster and oral presentations with the projects that we did. I would argue that research is important for any specialty. If anything, it will give you a leg up in interviews when you have research and no one else does. But for many specialties, I'm specifically thinking of surgical subspecialties, so your orthopedic surgery and your neurosurgery and urology fields like that. Those 
It's going to be very important to get research and to specifically get research in those fields. So if your school does not have the resources for that, you need to start looking elsewhere for opportunities probably over the summer so you can travel to get those experiences. If your school does have faculty members in that specialty, you want to get in touch with them as soon as possible. But more on this later with specialties, but research is really good to have. Anytime you're working on a project longer term, it looks really good that you're continuing with it. And for me, that was more of a personal decision where I wanted to see this project out and I wanted to make sure the data was good before I started doing presentation. So it was actually a lot longer than just the summer elective. So just be cognizant that it might be a longer term thing. It doesn't have to be uh, so short term during the summer. I think it was easier to do it during second year than to do it during first year when first year is all about just knowing what's going on. So yeah, that's all I'll say about research. So now moving on to extracurriculars. So my philosophy on extracurriculars is basically to go to everything because this is something that I don't see a ton of people do, but I personally did and I would not do it any different. So my school had club meetings at the lunch hour. So I was going to eat lunch anyway. It was like every other day there would be a meeting. So it wasn't every day, but I just found that I was totally fine with just eating my lunch while watching a speaker speak on whatever specialty they were in or whatever topic that that club was choosing to present on. And it was just an additional learning opportunity that was learning, but it it wasn't studying. I wasn't going to be tested on it. So it was was learning for fun about the uh, medical field and about different specialties. And I think this gave me a leg up on my peers when it came to starting third year rotations and having a little bit more of vision of what I wanted and I had a better understanding about all of the different specialties because I went to a lot of the meetings. I wouldn't go to every single meeting. I would go to the ones that would interest me. Well, sometimes like if I knew I definitely didn't want to do cardiology, I might still show up to the cardiology just just to see if they can change my mind type thing. But yeah, sometimes if I, especially late like in the second year and even later into first year, I definitely started being more picky. Like, okay, I, kn- I know I'm not interested in this, but I did go to a lot of things and I was able to do that because my school didn't really have clubs that like you had to pay for membership to just be a part of the chapter. Like you could just show up to events. You didn't have to be a member. And then it would be your choice if you wanted to join the national organization and pay dues, which I did do for a few clubs. So those are the ones I list on my resume and CV and residency applications are the ones I actually paid dues for. I wouldn't put like the surgery club because I went to some of their meetings because I don't think that is relevant because I wasn't actually in the surgery club. I kind of just went to meetings just to learn. So I thought that was helpful because I knew what I liked, I knew what I didn't like, and it was just an additional learning 
opportunity and I was just taking advantage of those resources as experts coming in and speaking on what they do. I found to be really helpful and helped me to solidify what specialties I was interested in. And along this with this, I will say that start thinking about start thinking early on if you want to do leadership. And I think everyone should get at least one leadership position, even if it's just a secretary of a club. Get something because that's going to be a section on your resume, CV, residency application that has leadership at the top. And if it's empty, well, then you don't have a section. So you need at least something there. Even if you're on some sort of committee, something like that, you need to find something. And I think clubs, since clubs in medical school, they, because like, think of like the psychiatry club, like in a class of 100, there might be like five people interested in psychiatry. And so you have a psychiatry club and then it comes time to elect an executive board and you need to fill president, vice president, secretary, etc., Basically, everyone's going to get a position. So you need to be involved in that. You need to put yourself out there. I think the stakes are way lower than for undergraduate clubs or even high school clubs. So you just have to put your name out there and show interest and maybe have one goal for the year and you'll probably get a spot. And make sure also when you have a spot, it's not just for your resume. You need to actually do the job that that you're given but also going above and beyond not only are you helping your school but you're also gaining experience that you can elaborate with because with residency interviews they're going to ask you like what was the time where you disagreed with a superior so you're gonna have to be ready for those leadership questions like what is the time where you had to take charge of something and you had to lead a team and how did that play out and what characteristics are good in a leader or what characteristics do you have when you lead and different questions like that. So you have to be able to think back to experiences of leadership. So it's really required for everyone to have some sort of leadership, even if it was just being part of a leadership team. You don't have to be president of a club to have leadership, okay? If your school has student government, that's a really great thing to join, helping plan events and things like that. So that's something that you need to start thinking of. I've seen so many medical students get to third year and into fourth year and they're crafting their applications and they have no leadership experience. And they're like, why did I do this to myself? Why did I miss my opportunity? And let me tell you, at least with my school, Clubs are very preclinical, so it's really only first and second years that are involved in clubs. That means at the end of your first year, that is when you are going to be elected as an officer to serve during your second year. And that's how my school worked. I am pretty sure since third and fourth year students are like never on campus, it's probably very similar. That's something that um, to keep in mind that is that early. And I would say if your specialty of choice doesn't have a club yet, contacting the national organization for that specialty, like the student organization for it, and finding out how to make a chapter at your school is super, super great to have on your resume. 
to show interest in the specialty, to show leadership, to show initiative, all of that is great. I actually did start a club while I was at school and it is actually easier than you think because you have the national organization kind of backing you and providing you everything you need. The only hard part is that usually you need a certain number of student signatures to be able to have a club and so that's just something that you get your friends all to sign and then hopefully you do get people that are actually also interested in being part of your club and are interested in that specialty so that they can serve in leadership with you so then you can create a team from the get-go so it's not just you starting out with which can be hard and getting faculty involved is super cool too because a lot of times faculty are excited if there's a new student group in there. They'd be happy to speak in front of your group, especially if it's in their specialty. And finally, there's a chapter of students that are interested in their specialty. So that's just something to keep in mind. But there's a lot of other different organizations out there that um, have chapters at different medical schools and might not have a chapter at your school. So look into those and that might be a really good opportunity if you don't really land on any leadership roles early on and you want to make sure that you have something there. That might be a good way to do that. Next is trying to decide specialty. So I didn't really know what specialty I wanted to go into coming into medical school. I had a few ideas, but I was very open-minded and I think this is the best way to be. However, if you have any inkling of being any sort of surgical subspecialty, then for that, there is a point where it is too late to then try for that specialty. So what I mean by that is that for orthopedic surgery, for example, it's extremely competitive and many of the students that are applying to orthopedic surgery have been gearing everything they do from the first day of medical school towards orthopedic surgery. So those are the people you're competing with. Now that we have level one and step one being pass fail, then it's really only uh, level two and step two that could give anyone an indication of your success in a surgical subspecialty. And you can argue if scores are actually relevant when it comes to that or not but residencies are using that as a metric so you can't wait until that time that you have those scores which is going to be late third year early fourth year to get those scores because at that point it is way too late to do what you need in order to match into that specialty it just is so if you do know going into medical school that there is a surgical subspecialty, so the other ones include like ENT, vascular surgery. So surgical specialties that you don't have to do general surgery first that you can just match into. And if you are interested in one of those, I would say try to shadow very early to confirm that it's something that you want to do and then just go for it. And then kind of have a backup specialty many students choose general surgery for that backup specialty and then you just have to keep your eye on the prize for that but if you are someone that can kind of rule out the surgical specialty is something that you don't think you'd be super interested in then it really does help to be open-minded 
and that will probably be the best thing for you. So with the surgical specialties, I would not include OBGYN in that because OBGYN is, yes, a surgical subspecialty, but it has a way better match rate. It's still very competitive, but it is not nearly as competitive as many of the other surgical specialties. It's also unique in that it's also a specialty that is not strictly in the OR, that they spend a lot of time outside of the OR, like most days. So that one's like a, a special case, but everything else that involves surgery at all, that is not general surgery, because I would argue that if you're interested in general surgery, that you could get an application together if you fall in love with it in third year. And I would really be hesitant about deciding on a surgical specialty without shadowing in it first. And you definitely want to decide before the midpoint of your third year, because that's when you're going to have to make sure that you can set up a fourth year rotation that is in that surgical subspecialty, because with your core rotations in third year, you're only going to have general surgery. You're not going to have that specific surgery. So if if you want something like ENT, you want to make sure that you have an ENT rotation set up because you cannot apply to to most specialties without a letter of recommendation from someone in that specialty that has worked with you during a rotation, so in a clinical context. So if you're doing orthopedic surgery, you have to rotate in orthopedic surgery early in your fourth year to get that letter. So that's just for anyone that's going into any specialty that you don't have a core rotation with. You want to make sure that you get enough letters from, and for most specialties, you need at least one letter from that specialty of choice. Some specialties prefer even more than that. So that's something that you'll have to look up early. So that is all just to say that if surgical specialties are on your list, you should probably be going for it. But kind of keep an open mind on the side too. So commit to a surgical subspecialty, but be open-minded about family medicine and internal medicine and general surgery and emergency medicine and psychiatry. So all of all of the other ones that aren't surgery because you'll probably have to dual apply. So if you're dead set on orthopedic surgery, you don't have to be open-minded about ENT or or neurosurgery because in no way, shape, or form should anyone dual apply to those specialties. So you have to be open-minded about your backup. But for the vast majority of people in medical school, you're not going to match into the surgical subspecialty. So you're looking at family medicine, internal medicine, and all of its subspecialties, emergency medicine, psychiatry, pediatrics, and OBGYN. So those are the ones that you want to be open-minded about and you want to take any opportunities you you can get to shadow because it does help to have a little bit of a vision in first and second year when it comes to what specialty you think you might go into based off of what leadership experiences you might pursue. Like like if you're choosing between running for president of family medicine or or president for internal medicine club, it would help if you kind of knew 
what you would prefer between the two before you run for that position so that you're more likely to go into that specialty and being president of the specialty you're actually applying to looks a lot better than being the president of a club that of a specialty that you then didn't go into. So, but residencies do care about leadership experience no matter what it is. The only thing I would be hesitant about is if you're president of a club that is a specialty that's very competitive and then later on you decide so let's say you are president of the orthopedics club later on you decide that you really like emergency medicine instead then emergency medicine residencies might think that you are dual applying and they might think orthopedics is your first choice so that is something that with surgical specialties in particular, you do have to put all your eggs in one basket, which is kind of the reason why I never really pursued any of those because I felt really uncomfortable doing that. I also didn't really like the lifestyle of subsurgical specialties. And now looking back, I'm glad that I made that decision because I did shadow and got letters of recommendation from several orthopedic surgeons to get into medical school. I'm kind of glad that I didn't put all my eggs in one basket for ortho because when it came to like the last few months of my third year when I was doing my surgery rotation, you can go back and listen to that episode. I hated surgery. I did not like it. And I thought it was really cool shadowing orthopedic surgery and it was interesting, but Maybe after a few days with the orthopedic surgeons, I was like, eh, this is kind of boring, but it's probably just boring because I'm just watching, right? So then during my surgery rotation, when I'm actually involved and a participant, I did realize like, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't boring because I was just watching. It was boring because it is actually boring to me um, to do surgeries. So it was something that I wish I knew sooner because I may have made the mistake to put all my eggs in one basket for ortho, but I am ultimately glad that I did not do that because then I would have had this whole resume for orthopedic surgery and then I don't apply to orthopedic surgery. I apply to something else and everyone thinks that I am still applying to orthopedic surgery because my resume screams orthopedic surgery, but I actually hate it. Then I'd be wasting all my interviews convincing them how much I hate orthopedic surgery, which you should never spend any time of an interview saying how much you hate any specialty. You should be saying how much you love that specialty that you're going into. So that's just something to keep in mind. You have to make sure that you really want it. And take the lifestyle into consideration too. As far as me, for me, it was because yes, I am a female, Females can be incredible orthopedic surgeons and subspecialty surgeons. However, I envision myself being able to go into work and come home at a predicted time and being able to have a family and provide well for that family, so make good money, but also not kill myself with the workload. And that was just something that was important to me. Obviously, there are women out there that can do it, right? I just personally said that I don't think it's worth it to put myself through all of that. I want a fulfilling career and a good home life. So for me, 
I think the surgery hours just was the the line for me. And that was the thought that I had early on. Then I'm glad that I had those thoughts. It was God's plan, I guess, to put those thoughts into my head because then I ended up not liking surgery. And the day before my surgery rotations started, I was like, oh gosh, please tell me I'm not going to love this and have to change my entire trajectory. And yeah, I did not like it. So knowing what you don't like is also important to start with too. You can start knocking things off your list. That's kind of the way I went about it for the most part. I was crossing things off of my list. And it's always good still to have your final two because... Now that we have step one and level one pass fail, you have to wait until the end of your third year to know if if you're competitive for the specialty you're going to. There's ways that you can look at your shelf or comat scores and then also look at how well you're doing with step one and level one question banks to predict what your score would be if it was if it was numbered and then to predict your step two and level two score to know if you're on the right track for a specialty. But really the other way to know that you're competitive is looking at your grades. Are you getting all A's? Are you getting mostly B's. So that can tell you if you're kind of looking at a mid-tier specialty or a more high-level specialty. And then also know that with even low-tier specialties, there are high-tier residency programs. So for example, UPenn has a family medicine program that you have to have orthopedic surgery scores to get into, right? So you can be at a really great program for your specialty, there's a ton of variation within specialties. But I use like words like low tier, mid tier, and high tier as very general terms of what the average residency programs and requirements would be for that specialty. So family medicine is classically low tier. It's the easiest to get into mostly because there's openings for it because it's the most in-demand specialty because it is primary care. So for that, you can probably match into family medicine with the same things that you would need to match anywhere else. So you want to make sure that you're passing all your board exams and that you're um, not failing any classes. Those So not having any of those red flags like failing anything um, is going to be important to match. But then if you're looking at something a little bit more mid-tier, like anesthesiology, which some people might not consider mid-tier, but I'm just going to go with that right now, you can look up what kind of board scores that each of the specialty gets. And you can also look up how much research experiences and how much volunteer experiences students usually get when they match into that specialty versus the people that did not match into that specialty. So that's always helpful to look at how you compare to the average applicant in that specialty. That might be helpful to look at. But as far as exploring different specialties, you want to research a lot of this in your spare time. You can Go to the club meetings when they have a guest speaker from a certain specialty. Definitely go to those. And 
Otherwise, if you have no connection with a specialty you're interested in, you're going to have to reach out and try to figure out how to shadow them and ask all of the questions you could possibly think of while you're shadowing them to make sure that you are educated enough to know that this is what you want to do. And that's something that was important for me to do even before going into medical school that I asked a ton of questions to DOs, any DO that I could find in Boston, which isn't many, but I asked them so many questions and that was really what confirmed my commitment to only applying to osteopathic medical schools. So that really worked for me and I have been doing that during my clinical rotations too, just asking a ton of questions and getting a better idea of what I want to go into. So that's the advice that I had for first year. I think I kind of went on to share additional advice that kind of applies throughout medical school, but it's all good things to at least start thinking about in first year to um, lead to success and lead you to match into your dream residency in your dream specialty to um, really be happy where you ended up. You can follow Firstline on Instagram at Firstline Podcast or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Firstline Podcast. Stay tuned for a new episode every Monday. Thank you.